0: Hi, I'm Rev. Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the Divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome to The Spiritual Forum, everyone. So glad you're here. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, I will have finished my Whole Planet Spirituality retreat, and I'll probably get on and just talk about that a little bit at some point because it's going to be an amazing experience. Really appreciate your support. Love that you're listening. I know you're on the spiritual path or thinking about being on the spiritual path. Everybody I have on this show has some amazing, amazing tidbit nugget of you know spiritual wisdom. And that's what I love about doing this. I love just having conversations with people and listen to their wisdom and just kind of share and talk. So if you love this podcast, please, please rate and review it. I know everybody asks that. And I know it's just something you, you know, like don't want to do, but it really does help. It's kind of a competitive world out there. And it's not like I'm trying to compete so much, but you kind of want, you want to, you want to find the right people. And I also trust spirit. I completely trust spirit that the right people are listening to this podcast now. So I want to introduce you to my guest, and I'm very excited to have her on. Her name is Amethyst Mahoney, and she's the founder of Spiritual Badass, a worldwide organization dedicated to help, helping you discover your unique spiritual path, grow your online business, and heal from religious trauma and abuse. Amethyst is passionate about helping people find freedom from fundamentalism without succumbing to toxic spirituality or spiritual bypassing. She's a former psychologist, an international speaker, and a best-selling author. She's an ex-fundamentalist turned tarot card reader and coach, and has spent decades reading and researching religious texts and helping others overcome self-doubt while understanding the history of and multiple interpretations of the Bible. So welcome, Amethyst.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love yep. hearing my intro. It makes me sound really good. <laughs> I
0: know. I know. It,
1: it's like I'm like, wow, wow. who's that? Oh, it's
0: me. <laughs> Oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I just got some new headshots done recently to promote the podcast and the website. And, and you look at those, I like, wow, who is that? Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> the photographer made me look good. Glad to know that. Well, Amethyst, I'd love to hear your story. And um, you, did, you did approach me with your story. And I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, we're going to have an interesting conversation. So why don't we just open with you telling me what you kind of want to share about your breakaway from fundamentalism or anything else? Okay.
1: Well, I'm going to try to do the short version really quick. <laughs> so so I remember all the way back to when I was three years old and I remember praying and feeling really connected with a divine kind of presence. I didn't know the name of it or anything like that. And about the time I was three and a half or so, I was introduced to Christianity. And I found out that this presence was called God and there was a book about him and that um, I should start reading it and find out as much as I could about it. So at this young age, I started going to church and everything, but it was really interesting because my mom and her husband, which I sometimes will refer to as parents, but the truth is (laughs) my mom and that guy she was with, not bitter. Um, they, (laughs) they were very controlling and extremely abusive and they actually didn't believe in anything. They sent me to church to get me out of their hair a couple of times a week. So they loved, um, any kind of school program or church program I could get involved with where I, I would leave them alone. And I didn't find out for many years, but they were actually really big, um, potheads and drug addicts too. So they would even be doing like cocaine and heroin and things like that. We didn't have food in the house, but they would lock themselves in their room sometimes for a day or something. And I would be left to bend on my own or try to go to church or somewhere else. And, and I, did, I didn't realize that was what was going on for a very long time. But they did tell me that my only purpose in life was to grow up. Uh, go to go to college, get a good paying job and take care of them the rest of their lives so they didn't have to work. Until then, sit down, shut up and leave me alone. And that was basically where I was coming from. So I really dug into fundamentalism. Um, they sent me always, we moved a lot, like every eight months to a year because that's how long it takes bill collectors to find you. Um, at least back then, this was before cell phones and things like that. <laughs> so we would move almost every single year because they were just trying to shirk their their bills and things. And um, they would always send me to the most fundamentalist Southern Baptist church in the area that they could find. And they would they would even go in the first time with me and they would tell the pastor, if she does anything wrong, just slap her. Do anything you have to do. We don't care. And that that was everything in my life um in school they tried to bring corporal punishment back at, at one point I told them to kiss off my parents were like beat the ever living crap out of her we don't care wow um I had a a teacher come in in fourth grade fifth grade it must have been fifth grade because it was right before we moved to another state and for every wrong answer you got on a test she wanted you to hold out her hand and she would slap you with a roller and I refused because I got a 97 on a math test. I missed one problem. She was like, hold out your hand. And I was like, suck it. School is my refuge. I'm not here to get abused. I go home to get abused. Um, and so I'm not going to do that here. And of course, I got into huge trouble for that, for not letting her hit me. But my my stepdad would come home every single day and hit me and be like, I'm sure you did something wrong. Um, and then he he started trying to molest me for years. I went to pastors. I went to school teachers. I called CPS in two different states, four different times. I had a friend call CPS for me and nobody would help. When I went to pastors, they would tell me one of two things. The man is the head of the household and he can do anything he wants to you and your mom. Or they would tell me you're lying and you need to repent because someone who is actually abused would never come forward.
0: Oh, wow. That's a trap.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was bad, but I kept believing in God. And I was like, well, God is the only person who loves me. And then I found out about Jesus. And I was like, okay, you're going to save me from all of this eventually. When I was 12, I stayed up all night and almost killed myself. I had a loaded gun. And I was like, I should just be done. And I, Prayed and prayed and prayed all night long. And I promised God, if he would just get me through this, that I would serve him forever. And so I ended up obviously not killing myself, (laughs) right? Thought about doing my dad, but then I was like, oh, would I get a full scholarship to college? I don't know. (laughs) So put the gun away and sat down and I, I spent the entire rest of the night counting up how many days until I turned 18 that I could get out. And so we moved and moved and moved. And then we ended up in Collierville, Tennessee. I'd grown up in Memphis. If you know anything about Memphis, it's bad. So I ended up in Collierville. It was outside of Memphis. And I kept telling my mom, my stepdad was trying to abuse me. He had been touching me for years. I couldn't stand it. I didn't, you know, I was at my last leg of like, how can I keep this man off of me? I have done so many things over the years. And she slapped me and said, stop trying to steal my husband. Um, a few months later, he was caught with a 16-year-old girl from the Waffle House in what I like to refer to as the Wafflegate incident. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, at this time, I'm like questioning everything because nobody would help me out of all of this. Um, so so he left. My mom moved to Memphis. And I ended up living out of my car for my the rest of my junior year mm-hmm. and my senior year of high school. Um, because I didn't want to change schools. I was afraid I would, would end up, you know, not getting my full scholarship to college and not getting out. So, um, it was, it was tough. Uh, I went from eighth to 22nd in my class. So, boo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I got my full scholarship. I ended up, um, since I was about 11, 12 years old, I wanted to be a psychologist. So I ended up going to school, becoming a psychologist, all of that stuff. But what I found over the years is that my clients were not really getting better. Um, even to this day, mostly psychologists are trained to keep people in sessions, come back every week, you know, keep going and just talk about your problems for years and years and years. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't helping. This isn't going anywhere. So, you know, I was devastated. I left fundamentalism. Um, I left Christianity completely and it had been my whole identity. So when, when you look at that as like when you come from a really abusive household where nobody loves you, because my mom would tell me, you know, everything in your life is my is everything in my life that's wrong is your fault. And I should have had an abortion like your real dad told me to. Mm. She's about 72 now, and she still tells people that about. Wow. Me. So it, it never got any better. I quit talking to her decades ago because you you can't continue to. Try to have a relationship with someone like that, um but i I left fundamentalism, God and Jesus were the only people who loved me, so when I left that, it was devastating. I had no identity, I had no friends, I had no family, I had absolutely nothing, and I still didn't even know who my real dad was. I met him when I was
0: forty two by email, so can we just pause a second yeah because i I, I want to go on with your story, but the so, this is so different than I thought it was gonna be.
1: <laughs> oh sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's Wait, great. It was all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> no, no, that's what I, mean. I I
0: thought it was gonna be, I thought your parents were gonna be the ones that got you into fundamentalism. Like they were they were a part of the fundamentalism, but this was No, like, it was
1: all control.
0: Yeah. So you, you they, they sent you to the fundamentalist churches to get you out of the house. You are always connected to God. You learn about Jesus. To to get out of the house, you found some sort of solace or connection or identity in the church. Yes. But you left it. Why did you leave it?
1: Um, I left it because I read the Bible.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: If you go to deconstruction forums, it's it's that's what they call it now when you're leaving religion. Okay, it's, we didn't have that word back then. But if you really read the Bible all the way through, which I have nine times, um, you just start to see you're okay. If you're a fundamentalist, you're told it's literal. Right. So if you read it all the way through and you're looking at it literally, it makes no sense. <laughs> there's mm. there's so much crap. I mean, even before you read one of the the bar books, what's his name? B A H R? Uh it starts with a E. His books, but that, that talk about where, you know, it's been misquoted, it's been mistranslated, we don't have the real words, all of those kinds of things. But then just looking at the discrepancies in it and then just looking at it like, you know, oh, well, feed the children to the bears and let's annihilate the entire human race and stuff yeah, like okay. that. So,
0: yeah, I get it. So you and, saw, and you saw like, it through it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's not literal. You can't. Why would I love a God who would kill everybody?
0: Right. Right. OK, got that. Right. Yeah,
1: so I had to leave that, and um, and then I had to leave psychology. <laughs> it's <was> horrible. <laughs> I I actually started using tarot cards in my work with psych, like, with my patients when I was a psychologist. Um, and they started getting really great results. I have like this whole technique I use. I don't like predict your future and all this stuff. It's, it's a little bit like art therapy, but a lot like coaching too. Hmm. So I taught it to, you know, my supervisor, he had me present this whole thing. People were using this kind of technique with different artwork and pictures. They were like, this is great. We're getting such great results. I love this. Then someone said I was using tarot cards and they were like, we're going to have to fire you. So, okay because
0: it's not conventional psychotherapy because it's tarot cards and people think they're evil. <laughs> oh, that sounds religious though. I, I would I would expect that from the church but I wouldn't expect that from the the field of psychology. I would I would just think they would invalidate it because it's kind of woo woo or no, not scientific they, or something. They okay. threatened
1: my job. So okay. I I right, just, so you didn't I was <laughs> like I was like okay, so I'll just go read read tarot cards full time and And that was the first year I made six figures, whereas you know, working eighty hours a week and going on call as a psychologist in the middle of the night to like, emergency things, the most I had ever made was like forty five grand. Okay. And I just,
0: you know, went into this other thing. and i and I felt
1: like I was helping more people
0: that way, interesting. I, I think that's so interesting. It's almost like it, it's almost like psychotherapy was the path that you were led on to get to the the tarot card coaching that you're doing
1: it it really was i i learned i used a lot of the techniques and a lot of kind of the the um you know how you set up with clients and and the holding space and things like that but i had found a deck of cards when i was 12 so i had been reading them for years and years and years with myself and then i i started experimenting with work with clients and then i kind of just used it in the psychological framework um and yeah, once you kind of put the two together, it's amazing. <laughs> mm. So interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, do you want to continue with your story about meeting your dad or do you want to just go on and talk about? That it's just
1: a couple of emails. He doesn't want to have anything to, okay. to do
0: with me, okay. but
1: I did find out he's Canadian, so I'm half Canadian apparently. Oh, well, there and- you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it sounds to me like your mom, you know, she... She and your your stepdad, but your mom, who at seventy two is still saying these things to you yeah. and about you, it sounds like she's completely missed what she came here to do. Like she's not healed at all. No, and that that's really sad. I mean, it's you know, you're seventy two. You have less life ahead of you than behind you, and there may be only a handful of years or decades that she has to heal and come around to 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 see. The beauty in your soul and the beauty in her life. And it sounds like she's um, really missing her opportunity, but yeah, it sounds like you're taking yours.
1: She's not interested. Just mm-hmm. like my, my, my real, my biological father is not interested in meeting me or anything either. So it's really interesting to me. I kind of come back around to that relationship with the divine as I knew it before in religion was forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is my my home and my solace and and um, the thing I know I can count on. My husband's really great too now, but
0: <laughs> as, as a human, he does as well. a human. But you
1: know, it's
0: it's so interesting that as a very young child that you had this. Uh, well, at least you have a memory. I, I think maybe all of us have this connection to God when we're young, but we just don't have the memory of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think there's something that kind of gets so. wiped out, but you have a memory of it. And how cool is that? And and that stayed with you. So that that stayed with you even during the fundamentalism, even though it kind of was a little you know, what they were teaching might have been unrecognizable and mm-hmm. ultimately through the rejection of your parents, which which devastates so many people. And but you're, you're you're you've come to a place where the truth, which is ultimately it's just us and God. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, ultimately, no matter what goes on out there, all of our friends, all of our relatives, you know, we can have a job experience. We lose everything, but ultimately it's, it's us and God or spirit source, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was, I was going to say, I was talking to my group the other day and I said, you know, I really think it's time for people to embrace their faith. and. I work with a lot of people who have left religion, are leaving religion, and are kind of still in that space of like being angry at it and being depressed about it and everything. So I know, you know, you work with the oneness and you've talked about Course in Miracles and and things like that and unity, church and everything. I just feel like when people are at that level, there's that that is too far for them. So when I talk to people online and stuff, I get called a lot of things <laughs> like <it> called, <laughs> you're not spiritual. You're so angry, da da da. But I'm like, I'm meeting people at this first step where if you, it's really interesting because if you look at like the deconstruction forums and stuff, yes, there are some people doing really good work. Um, you know, there's a person called deconstruction girl. There's the naked pastor. If you ever look them up on Instagram, they're great a lot of people are very angry and just putting on the negativity and i hate the church and da, da 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 um which is where everybody starts so then after that step you kind of start to figure out well then what do i have cuz you you can't live in what do i not have anymore and then from there you can start making those tiny steps to maybe eventually oneness maybe not but um but i think that there's a lot of need for that that gap, because a lot of people just aren't speaking about that space, and a lot of people don't think that that's spiritual. It's it's kind of like if you're not at that level, then you're doing it wrong.
0: I think you raise a really good point, and you know that level, whatever that level is. Mm-hmm. I know in your intro, we talked about um, uh, finding freedom from fundamentalism without succumbing to toxic spirituality or spiritual bypassing. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of people that are quote at that level that really aren't at that level they've exactly. bypassed yeah bypass yeah. in a huge way so they're all love and light love and light and you know it's all good it's all good and and the and they're the kind of lo- lost the grounding or the healing mm-hmm. or the, the 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 deep connection uh to the soul and and also the ability to see reality and actually do the healing if you've had Trauma or abuse or something, and not just avoid it. So, right. is that the tendency of some of the people that come to you that they either they get either get lost in the anger or they just want to avoid the abuse? And do you do you find people kind of want to just kind of you know ascend quickly?
1: Those don't tend to be my clients because okay. I piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I actually that. have a shirt called tr- that says "trigger warning" because <laughs> I'm not going to put that. You you should just assume that I'm going to trigger you. Um, because I do talk about those hard things. And in my group, some we, we laugh about, we call them the love and lighters. I know that's snarky and bad, but- The love what? I'm sorry. The love and lighters. Oh, the love and
0: lighters. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I'm telling yeah. you. And I, and you know, I yeah, I, I know say, a lot of them.
1: Yeah. And we say love and light is actually someone's flipping you off. You know how they'll they'll sign their and their emails. they love and light, and it'll be like, mm. I mean, really, if you read into, it, I'm not trying to be mean, but and it's and then it's like this vitriol. of, You're the worst person ever. Da da da. That love and light, though.
0: No, I I can kind of see that. I mean, I do. Okay, so I do fundamentally um, value love. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) light—it's not that those are bad things, but Mm -hmm. they're but they're used as this this thing of avoidance. Yes, terribly. So it's and
1: the high vibes only is the other one.
0: Okay, got that. It's all all, only good, only good. Oh boy, I know lots of people like that. Yeah, and And so my
1: experience the last fifteen years has been in online groups. So when I became a business owner, I would look for business groups and stuff. You couldn't talk about tarot or spirituality back then. So if I went to the spiritual groups, you couldn't talk about business stuff because spiritual people hate money. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything's spiritual except money. <laughs>
0: like what? Money is spiritual. Money is <laughs> money's, what I money's say. the flow.
1: God God flow. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, how much do my tarot cards cost? And my entire <laughs> library that i have but it's it was really interesting so i created you know spiritual badass to be a place for for people to come together who do both of those things and and we get so many people who claim that they're you know love and light people they're light workers but they don't want to talk about any shadow work they and if you have a bad day you're not allowed to say that in a lot of spiritual groups online if you're sick
0: you're not allowed to yeah, say there's that. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. I like. It, there's a belief that if you say it, then you're inviting it. Like if mm-hmm. I if I say if I say anything that's negative, then I'm attracting that to me, and so right. therefore I I can't. And um, I I I, I dwell in that space. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure I would ever dwell in that space. But there's a lot of that that happens. I think yeah. even in unity, there's a lot of that that happens, and. Even, even now, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but I, like I did an interview with Annika Lucas, who was a survivor of a child sex trafficking in the mm-hmm. 70s at, at the highest elite levels. Her experience is just, I mean, it, it's insanely horrible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm not meaning to take her experience like hers is more horrible than others or anything like that. But I, I try to bring this, these kinds of things to light your story, the abuse you experienced, it would bring that to to people's awareness because we have to know what world we live in. Right. You know, if we imagine that the world is just, you know, everybody in our government loves us and cares about us and everybody in you know, all of our authorities are going to take care of us. And it's just not the way the world is. So right. there's something really good about seeing what the way the world is while also having faith and holding to God love, you know, like real grounded love.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a couple things. So the, when you're, you're doing the spiritual bypassing or talks, you know, for one of other words right now, toxic spirituality is it, it leads to complacency too. Mm-hmm. first, it leads to blaming and shaming people who have had bad things happen or who are going through things, you know, Oh, you don't say you have cancer. You should be able to think your way out of that.
0: You know? Yeah. What 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 thoughts brought that to you?
1: Yes. So, I I was in a group one time, and someone like was like, "I hit my my left pinky with a hammer. What does it mean?" And everybody was like looking up Louise Hayes' book and and all of these things <laughs> about what is what did I attract? I'm like, it means your hand was slippery. You you hit your <laughs> pinky with a hammer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, everything doesn't have to mean something. You know, it can, but I I mean, come on.
0: Humans are meaning-making machines. (laughs)
1: We are, we are. And then the other part of it is we don't embrace our humanity. We spend so much time trying to be divine and trying to be love and trying to be light that we forget that we're also human. So things like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene and some of the early, you know, so-called Gnostic texts from the earlier Jesus followers, there are some things in them that are, very much about your purpose is to become both fully human and fully divine. And I just see so many people like I'm a starseed. I'm not even supposed to be on this planet. So then why are you here? You know, what, what is the purpose? If, if you could just go up there and be with God, then why did you come down here? There has to be some reason, right? Or people take the Buddhist kind of stance or some of the other religions and are like, you know, oh, the earth is suffering and your your purpose is to get off the karmic wheel and not be reincarnated. I'm just like, dude, that's a horrible way to live. The Earth is awesome. <laughs> I mean, have you traveled? <laughs> have you gone to, I don't know, a water park? Like, <laughs> zip lining? Do something fun. Do <laughs> <laughs> feel like I want to shape some people? Like, are you just in a rut?
0: Yes, I said the the not the denial of the. With well, the denial of the body and the, the denial of the earth body and the beauty of the experience that we have here. Yeah. Um, do, do you think that we're all here? What do you think we're all here for? I don't know, honestly.
1: I mean, I know that what, what I really think is we are some kind of expression of divinity. And so sometimes my beliefs change, you know, we're fluid, like you said, but some of my beliefs are, are sometimes I feel like we're just here to play and enjoy. And bring that kind of awe and passion and creativity and create and make music or whatever it is you're good at, right? Just enjoy life. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, no, no, we have to be activists or we have to help others or we have to do this and that. And I'm like, we can, but can't you have fun while you do it?
0: Yeah, I think think that's really beautiful. (laughs) What if it is that we're just here to have fun? Create. I mean, what if we're here just to create? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that there is a trap. There's definitely a trap in wanting to fix the world. Like the world is a problem, and I am here. Like I am here to fix it. And the the energy of fixing anything, whether it's trying to help another person who hasn't asked for your help, or try to fix the planet or fix whatever is going on out there, it's an it's a willful imposing kind of energy. It's not a surrendered. God, what what should I do here? What who am I? Be, who am I to be here? Maybe right. I'm just here to look at the beautiful flowers. Maybe I'm here to reflect and see the geese. Maybe I'm here to see, smell the the wind and the trees, and and that I, I would think that the divine would would have pleasure in that.
1: Yeah, and and it goes both ways too, because then then you're like, but I don't want to be so stuck into that that I become, you know, um, well whatever the word was for complacent that I was going to say, apathetic. Mm -hmm. Right. So I still want to make sure I vote and I still want to make sure that I educate people with what I know about and and help where I can. But at the same time, I just want to, you know, sit and look at my little cat's feet when she sticks them out from under the couch and go, oh, they're so cute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, who comes to you and um, I mean, how how does somebody find you in the work Um, that you're doing? So I have a
1: website called spiritualbadass.info. We took everything down for about two years, you know, during the whole Corona thing. <laughs> I can say that because it's beer. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that they later. <laughs> really mad about that. I think they threatened to sue, like, you're infringing on our trademark. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, but, you know, that whole pandemic thing. Um, and I was living in Florida at the time. And so we just kind of took everything down. We're putting it back up finally. Um, so there's spiritualbadass.info. It's not .com, it's .info. So if you're looking for information about it, it's trademarked, but I can't get the .com yet. So, um,
0: well, I, 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 I can have all your, your links okay. on this podcast. I'm happy to do that. But what I kind of mean, like, not, not like but how do our listeners find you, but how would, I mean, how. The people that you're helping with the tarot how, mm-hmm. how do they find you? Are they coming out of these mm. these sessions where um they're uh transitioning from fundamentalism? Usually they find me through a website, honestly. Like they're they're, they're just searching on leaving my fundamentalist religion or something, they find you. Mm-hmm. Or they okay. or they
1: search for tarot? I have a ton of tarot okay. readers and so um I know how to put keywords behind images on my website where people find me.
0: (laughs) Well, you'll have to teach me.
1: (laughs) Just just random. I would be happy to. Um, There's a little trick that you do that people will find you when you put in the right words. Good to know. Um, Also, sometimes I'll put behind my pictures, I'll put what is amethyst because people are amethyst crystal meanings. Okay. And then they'll find me.
0: (laughs) I get that. I get that, but the people who are finding you are I mean they're people coming to you for tarot, but the people it sounds to me like one of your I call it ministries, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but mm-hmm. is to is to help people bridge between being angry and mad yes. at the church and I'm leaving that and I hate it and it, whatever they feel about it, to coming around to some other kind of place, and wh- how where are you leading them to?
1: Um, that is at the life map system. Okay. Let's talk about that. That's so that's my book um, mm-hmm. that I just wrote on the life map. And there is some information about that on the spiritual Badass website as well. Um, I have some articles around, you know, who is the divine? How do you, you know, what do you do if you're looking for non-gendered names of the divine, because you're so angry at the word God, but the words goddess and source don't work for you yeah um things it is like a that yeah it, it is a huge problem one that I struggled with for 25 years really
0: yeah. um
1: and so um but I do podcasts and things like like that I'm just I'm really good at online business I was a business coach for 15 years <laughs> so I speak a lot and then people go to those sites and they find me and and work with me from that way
0: but what is your what is your mission with the people is your so, mission? To keep yeah. to direct them to God in a new way? Or
1: I want them to find their answer. I want to be with them while they figure out what they want to do because I know how hard the the path is. Um, so when you are leaving your religion, there are a couple of things that happen and most people throw everything away mm-hmm. and they're left with this period of time where they're atheist or agnostic. They're not really sure what to do. I think you said you went through that. I've gone through that, but that's not how we're really designed. A lot of us, we feel that connection. And so we want to get back to that, but we don't know how, and we don't have any words for it. So I'm working with people on, on how do you decide what path that is? Some of my clients go on to become, um, pagans, some are Wiccans, some go back to a more like unity path um i call conscious christianity um and then i have my own uh 10 commandments of a spiritual badass i'm i'm writing that book as well when people ask me what my religion is i just tell them spiritual badass that is I love that. <laughs> my religion um because if you look on the website there's a what we believe section and it is all about these kinds of ideas where You know, at the core, all religions and spiritual practices have the same fundamental beliefs. I spent years studying them and they're all about love one another, love yourself, treat your body right. Um, You are connected with the divine. You have amazing abilities. The um, kingdom of heaven is actually within you and it's on this earth. You shouldn't be waiting for some afterlife to enjoy your life, you know, you can have it now. Um, and I really believe that Jesus and and Buddha and other people, they were teachers that showed us that. It's it's not that they came to save us. It's that they came to show us we can save ourselves. And ultimately we have we don't have anything to save ourselves from. But that's kind of that next level, right? You kind of have to go through the wanting to save yourself for a while mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. So talking to people and helping them figure out all of those things. The life map system breaks it down into eight different areas of your life where you rate each of the eight areas and look at the core fundamentalist beliefs that have snuck into every single area of your life. And it gives it a way for you to process it. So you're not like inundated with 4,000 different ideas. You can systematically kind of break it down and look at Okay, here's the beliefs. Here's how they're coming in. Which ones do I want to actually work on first? Which ones are causing the most disruption in my life? Which ones do I want to get rid of but I don't feel ready to tackle yet? Like the fear of hell is a is a big one for a lot of people who have left fundamentalism and often one of the last ones to go. So we go around and we look at each of those areas and we look at, you know, how is this affecting your life? And and that way it's not so overwhelming anymore. Because when you leave religion, it just feels like everything just got dumped on you. Now everything is a lie and you just don't know where to start. And how do you pick up the pieces? So we pick them up a few at a time <laughs> and we start putting them back together. But we put them back together in the way that the person feels comfortable with. What's really interesting to me is that my husband was not raised in any kind of religion. Really, his dad was kind of like this free flowing Buddhist. and um, Didn't really know anything about the Bible at all until he met me. And when I was telling him some stories and things, he's like, wait a minute, people believe this. (laughs) People believe this is for real. (laughs) Like they literally believe this. Like he was just, and I said, fundamentalism affects everyone. He's like, no, I've never been raised in any of that. So I went through the life map with him and I started looking at different ideas and he's like, oh my God, it's in our culture. It's in in our our society. Yeah. You can't get away from it. Even if you don't even look at the laws and things that have just recently happened, nobody should be making laws based on their religious text or their religious beliefs,
0: but they do. So it's really bad. Can you share what some of these beliefs are that that people uh, need to... um... You, you mentioned the fear of hell are there what what are some others that people are trying to are needing to let go of and that are ingrained in our culture you're a sinner so
1: i i had talked about original blessing and i think that's what we said we were going to talk about <laughs> well let's talk about let's that let's get to that <laughs> yeah. um original sin this whole idea that you that you are bad that you know you're a sinner and that you need to repent And that you're always going to be screwing up. Just like my dad, my stepdad used to tell me, I'm sure you did something wrong. And that is kind of the ingrained belief that people have. And it leads to this unworthiness and this unlovableness. And I was thinking the other day, I think that's why relationships are so hard. When you find someone who really loves you and cares about you, but you feel unlovable and unworthy, you do everything you can to push that person away. And I really... I just started thinking about that recently. I'm like, wow. What if, if you, Matthew Fox has a book called um, Hildegard de Bingen, something, something, whatever it's called, but it's about Hildegard de Bingen. And back in the 1100s, she wrote about original blessing. And she actually wrote to the Pope and some other people about, you're taking the church down this original sin. Things are getting, they're gonna get bad. It wasn't until like, I don't know the 1400s or so that the idea of original sin became a platform for preachers. It wasn't until the 1850s that literalism in the Bible became a common platform for preachers. So these ideas that people think are traditional or they came from Jesus are are new. So when you think of you know yeah there was stuff about sin in the Bible and everything, but that's not what Jesus talked about. That's not what preachers and the early followers and the apostles talked about, they talked about how you're born with the divine in you, just like he was, just like we all are. And we have to recognize that. And it's not living with like rose colored glasses or anything. It's, it's just that that's the reality. And that we've been giving, been given like these muddy glasses that we're supposed to try to see through. And we really can't see beyond that because If everything in your life is based on the idea that you're bad and that you're wrong and that you're going to screw it up, then that's what you're going to do. And you're always going to be fearful of making those mistakes and then fearful that you're not good enough instead of being like, I made a mistake. Oh, well, I'm still awesome.
0: <laughs> right, 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 Like the like the little toddler who falls on his butt and just gets up and you know gets up again. Not, right, doesn't try to analyze that. I, I think it's really interesting what you said. I that you're a sinner is in our culture because you're absolutely right. I mean, the idea that I'm bad, I'm wrong, I've done something wrong, or my kid is, or you know, there's something that's missing. That that's that's pervasive in 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 humanity. But I never really tied it to the "you're a sinner" idea because "you're a sinner" sounds very fundamentalist Christian. But but it's the same thing. You're bad. It's the same thing. It you're is. bad, and it's the word "sinner." People think, "Oh, that's just religious." I, I don't. I don't believe that. But no, you are. You are. You are believing that when you are when you think you you know you're wrong, you're bad, you're you're not good enough, that kind of thing. It's yeah. the same belief. Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: What's another? Um. There's so many, (laughs) (laughs) so many, um, things like, okay. The other big one that really grinds my gears is the whole, your body is bad thing. Mm -hmm. There are a few Christian, uh, denominations and things that do say your body is good, but there's so much about hate your body. And, and I will tell you my unpopular opinion. You probably won't like this one. Um, but I don't believe in the ego at all.
0: Okay. I'm okay with that. Say more I, about it.
1: I didn't believe it back in psychology. That was one of the things that I first started looking at, like, uh, there's something off here. And what I really like is the internal family systems model. Mm-hmm. Um, i familiar
0: with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So the idea that we have all these different parts and all these different aspects of us and each one wants something different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have one over here and one over here and they're in direct opposition to one another, but that's just their needs and their wants and how they're trying to protect you and how they're trying to get whatever it is they want neat, you know, met. So it's like, um, Thich Nhat Hanh has a book called anger. Um, I believe it's in that one that he says, you know, anger is like a little baby. You don't unless you're my parents, but mostly you don't run up to it and yell at it and be like, why are you crying? You know, you try to figure out what it wants and you feed it and you burp it and you change diapers and you know, you give it love and things that people call the ego are the exact same thing. Instead of there's the pervasiveness of spiritual communities trying to say, kill your ego Oh, you can't it, do that. It just makes me hurt.
0: <laughs> I like don't even I, hear that anymore. You're still hearing wow. that out there? Yes. Oh, wow. So That's much. so wrong. Yeah. Yes.
1: So uh, there's whole belief systems based on that. And I'm just like, please stop. You, you can't do that. And so if you would just lean into it and be like, what are you trying to tell me? And really listen to that aspect of yourself and try to meet that need or or say we can't do that, right? <laughs> We're not gonna do that. But what else could I do to make you
0: happy? Sometimes even just acknowledging it and listening to it is enough. Um yeah, the whole the internal family systems theory, it's so interesting because I, I thought I made that up. <laughs> I, I thought I made that up, but then I, I found so this so work. Yeah, I think that I think that I think it somebody's kind of coined this internal family systems model and they're teaching it, but it's like Wow, twenty years ago, maybe even thirty. I I remember the day when I started. I was doing some really deep inner work. Mm -hmm. I was doing sand sand tray therapy with a therapist and just doing some deep inner work. And I was working in the soil and I was trying to pull uh, weeds out of the soil. I was preparing to to plant it, and it was very, very metaphorical.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: You know, pulling the weeds out of my own self. But I started having these um, these visions, and I started having some. Memories from early life, like you remember when you were three, and I, out of that work, I, I've found specific characters within me who had different needs. I, I, just, I clothed them. I gave them names. I, you know, people go, "Oh, you're, you know, you're schizophrenic." No, it's not. It's not schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. It's not DID. And, <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. No, absolutely. But it was so. Once I had that distinction mm-hmm. of these different parts. Uh, there was something that was a real breakthrough for me, a real yeah. breakthrough for me. And this was like years before Family Systems, uh, the family systems model.
1: <laughs> yeah. And on. and he was actually working on it back then, and so was I. When yeah. I was a psychologist, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, we do inner child work, we do right. this other stuff. I I don't believe in the ego that in the, the superego, but I believe that there's many. I look at it as like a whole community. Like I live in a subdivision here. And each, each aspect either has its own house or it has a house where it lives with two or three other aspects, you know, just everybody. And sometimes I'm like, all right, everybody come out, let's talk, (laughs) you know, right. But in psychology back then, I could not find a way to have any conversations with anyone, even remotely like that. And so he stayed in psychology and I left. Because I needed to do that, and I needed to work with tarot cards, and and a whole myriad of reasons, I just couldn't find my answers in psychology. Interesting, yeah, okay. But it's my—I think that you know the divine consciousness gives many people the same ideas at the exact same time.
0: Yes, completely. I think we're tapping into uh, we're, we're tapping into consciousness. Yeah. You know, we say, "Well, oh, that was my idea." You know, <laughs> look what I created. But, you know, those symphonies that came through Mozart and Beethoven, you know, did they just sit down and actually think it all out? Or is it just they had some ability that they, they had some opening, some, some divine opening that, that this poured through them? So, yeah, the collective consciousness, or it's always kind of something we can tap into. Yeah. And I think when we enough of it do it, that's when it kind of becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so can you tell me about um, religious trauma?
1: Yes, I just did a whole certification on that. (laughs) Religious trauma. (laughs) Um, When you have these ideas that are based on these fundamentalist beliefs, like I'm a sinner, it's automatically gonna traumatize you in your life. Kind of like what we've already talked about is I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. So there's that, that aspect of it where it's ingrained into your identity and your belief of who you are in this lifetime. Then there are the most, the more overt ways that people will tell you, you know, you're a child, sit down, shut up. You're a woman. You're not supposed to be allowed in positions of leadership. You're not allowed to speak, cover your head. Um, Our whole society is based on women are less than right now. Um, And that's pretty overt for the most part. Although I think for some people it's, it's, pretty subconscious as well, because, you know, not, not a lot of men will run around and be like, I hate women though. Some will, (laughs) like, you know, Mm -hmm. or I think they're worth, they're less than me. Some will. Um, but it is in, you know, we're the weaker sex, right? We hear that all the time and it's not just physically. They mean we are weaker. Um, I saw the funniest post the other day though. I have to share this. I know it's a little off topic, but, um, there was a woman who is a fundamentalist and she might be a Senator or something, but she said, uh, I think she was speaking out against gay marriage or whatever stupidity it was, but she said something like God made man and woman. And someone else said, no, God made man in a rib. Sit down, McRib. (laughs) 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 You're not supposed to be talking. (laughs) 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 I just thought it was the funniest Uh. thing. But, um, but there's all these, these things that whether they are just in the ideas based on, here's the thing. Most people start to tell their children that they're going to go to hell if they lie
0: or they're bad around four years old. Wow. So that's really still going on. Yes. Okay. Pervasively. I'm so so away. I'm so outside of that, that culture. So, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm here for. I'm the bridge. (laughs) You're the bridge. And I love that. I I, I love that. I've always considered myself a bridge, too. Not the same bridge as you, but I've always felt wherever I am, I feel like I I don't exactly belong here. I belong in between here and here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm bridging these things. I've I've felt that a lot many times, many times in my life. But I I do think that this, um, you're a bad boy. If you keep being bad, you're going to go to hell. I, I think that that's a convenient thing for parents to try to try to change behavior, but ultimately it's not. (laughs) Ultimately it's abusive. Ultimately it's abusive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this whole idea that you have to believe that someone came here over 2000 years ago to take on all of your sins and you have to believe that and repent. And that's the only way you're going to go to heaven. And you look at the world and you're like, but all these other people have all these other beliefs. So all of my friends are going to hell.
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember that being that conundrum.
1: Yeah. But then now I'm responsible for saving them. And if I don't convert them, it's on me that they're going to hell.
0: Yeah. I didn't do, I didn't do a good enough job.
1: Yeah. That's extremely traumatizing Mm -hmm, to people. mm -hmm. Even if you don't
0: think it, it's there constantly in your awareness. Yeah. And the, the saving other people, boy, that's a trap. Um, and it's such an imposition. <laughs> yeah. I I I when I lived in Florida and I worked as a barista, I was a barista between being a minister and an engineer. That that's my bridge. <laughs> my bridge career. <laughs> um but I remember it was it was kind of deep south and I remember I remember one or two people coming into the coffee shop and they were always trying to impose this, you know, are you saved and are you this and do you believe this and it's the weirdest feeling because it's it's kind of like somebody coming into your world and they're automatically putting themselves in some sort of superior place where I could help you. You're down there and I have I'm I'm handing I'm putting my hand out and I'm I'm ready to bring you up to where I am. And so it just feels it feels so condescending. Yeah. Um and and I don't think that's the intention or maybe it is the intention, but that's that's this trap of saving other people. It puts right. you automatically into I am better than I am bigger than, and you need my help, even if mm-hmm. you didn't ask for it. you know you you know you need it and it feels um whenever that happens, it feels to me it's always kind of felt like somebody's vomited on me or something. i just I feel dirty mm-hmm. if it's a very strange feeling, yeah,
1: and i don't I don't think it's more of superiority, at least not when I was doing it. it was obligation and fear. okay well i i'm Okay, so but I but I get for the other person it's gonna it feel it feels like, that way. Yeah. yeah for I, sure. I don't It may not be
0: your intention, but it feels that way. It feels mm-hmm. like like you're a good person, I'm a bad person. <laughs> and
1: I feel like I we have discussions in my group about, you know, can you ever really be selfless? You're there's always a part of you when you're helping other people that feels good. Oh, it's very selfish. <laughs> it's very selfish, you know? It's so very selfish. It's kind of the same thing, like
0: yeah. <laughs> no, it, it makes me feel better exactly <laughs> when I, I did
1: something, yeah,
0: right. yeah, look at me. i'm I'm good. I'm good. Um, so what what do you um this original blessing, which I shared with you too, before we got on, that I, I too believe I believe that humans are essentially divine beings, and that we are, I mean, God created us what whatever you believe God to be, that we are we are the, the manifestation of this energy that that I that I call God and uh, and we're beautiful you know and in our essence we're perfect now we don't see ourselves as perfect we may not behave perfectly but you know this idea that we're flawed from the very beginning like yeah. it's <laughs> it's um it's wrong I, I that's all, it it's, it's just wrong it's just wrong so I mean so do you um do you envision that our world's going has a possibility of shifting to the original blessing. I mean, I I always hold out hope that there's always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in
1: inevitably in the scheme of time, probably right. <laughs> there's a good chance it's kind of like if you if you set a bunch of monkeys in the room with the typewriter, they'll write Shakespeare. <laughs> but I think I I think that a lot of people are moving in that direction. But the thing that I actually want to touch on I feel I feel like Sarah Palin. I'm gonna take one word you said and I'm gonna tell you a different answer. Um <laughs> when you said perfect, it that is another fundamental belief that I wanted to touch on, that idea of perfectionism. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And that if you're not as perfect as Jesus or God, yeah, then you're flawed. Right, right. I, I get right? I get what you're saying, sure. No so pervasive. So until we stop like, flogging ourselves psychologically right for for not being perfect it's going to be very difficult
0: but yeah and i think you know actually when i say that i don't mean it in that way oh no um it's really more about beingness like what what Mm -hmm. is now is is beautiful maybe a better word for it but i completely see how that can be twisted for sure yeah yeah
1: So I think that, I think that we're moving in that direction. I think I have a a thing that I did a few years ago called the spiral of ascension where, and it's really funny because when I was growing up, my nickname was one of my nicknames was little tornado Mm. and it's actually, it's like a a tornado is what it looks like. (laughs) And it's like, we keep going around and around and sometimes it feels like we're at the same level, but I believe that we're incrementally moving up all the time. Uh-huh. So even in your life, if you feel like you're making the same mistakes over and over again, you're not making them in quite the same way because you're learning every time. You know, a lot of people, I, I say sometimes, like, I don't like to make the same mistake twice. I like to make them five or six times. So I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson,
0: <laughs> but,
1: but I know a lot of people, you know, especially years ago, that's how I felt. I would always have like the broken down car or something would happen where I just felt like, why am I in this situation again? But when I really stepped back and looked at it, it was a little bit better than last time. So I feel like as a human race, we're getting a little bit better every time, but, you know, give us a couple million years or so. In some ways I, I question, does it even matter sometimes? you know, if we're just doing the best we can, and we're enjoying our life, some days I'm just like, screw it. That's all I want. Yeah, not you're not trying to make a utopia. Yeah. And then other days, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, we all need to, you know, meditate
0: and pray and do better. (laughs) So it's always that balance of, you know, but but I think, ultimately, I think we each have the choice, we each have the choice to grow in the way we're going to grow. We can't, we can't get others to grow. We can't. That's another trap. You know, if, if everybody just does this, then everything's going to be better. Everybody has that idea, but they have different ideas about what everybody needs to do. Right. So really, the only thing you have is responsibility. You know, the only only thing you have control over is yourself. So mm-hmm. it sounds like, you know, finding your own place of happiness and contentment and uh, fun and joy is really what we can each do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you asked earlier, like it, you were saying it, it, maybe my mom didn't come here to do what she did, needed to do and the lessons she needed to learn in this lifetime. But, but just off what you're saying just now, I'm like, well, maybe she did. Maybe, maybe in her she last, did. yeah, maybe in her last life, it was a lot worse.
0: You yeah. know, That's a judgment on my part.
1: <laughs> I completely and, accept that. But no, I, I would have never thought anything different because I've always said that I'm like, well, I guess, you know. <laughs> She screwed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so easy to say. It's so easy. Well, you know, she's going to have to go around again. You know, <laughs> right? Hopefully, she'll learn next time. But who mm-hmm. are we? Who are we to say? We don't know where people have come from. We don't know how That's far true. they've come. And uh, and also, maybe she did do what she needed to do for you in in you having your soul grow here. On this Mm -hmm. planet which I think I have to commend you I think that the the background you're growing up that you describe and that kind of abuse is just so it's heart-wrenching and for you to be sitting here as this you you seem to be a joyful person who is really a a, a more awake and and helping people and you, you see things clearly and you're not sitting here going oh you know this thing happened to me and that thing happened to me, this thing happened to me and, you know, life sucks. And that's a miracle. Yeah.
1: But I also think we, we all have those parts of our lives where we do kind of ruminate on the, that's, that sucks. You know, when I look at my life map with clients, there's a, you know, your, your health, I have a lot of health issues, a lot. I was listening to one of your podcasts about the, the energy healer and stuff. And And it's so funny because I go back and forth with this. Can I heal myself? Can I, you know, have someone help me heal? Is it just my lot to what am I learning from this physical issue? I'm overthinking. No, I can heal. No, I can't, you you know, and and where do you go from whatever part of your life, whichever of those sections may be like your hardest for you? And what do you do with that? I, I have no answer.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. She's like, it's all energy. It's all energy. So you, you, you definitely can heal yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, Amethyst, I want to give you, uh, I want to close soon, but I want to give you the last word, whatever we didn't talk about that you want to say, or
1: (laughs) I'm not going to say the word I said at the beginning. (laughs) That's, That's my last word. So I, I, I feel like if you're listening to this, you're a good person and no, I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm like buy my book or whatever. But I feel like, in their own way, everyone's a good person at at your core. And looking at any ideas that you come up with that that says something different than that, probably comes from some kind of fundamentalist belief that is pervading our culture. And the answer is there is no answer. And everyone can find their own path and really just have fun with it and play and create and be and understand that you are part of the divine and the divine is in you. And that's beautiful. Embrace that and embrace your body and you'll be all right. That oh, is beautiful. I will, beautiful. Say, I will say one more thing. All right. I told my group the other day, I said, you know what, when I said, embrace your faith, because I do say embrace your faith. Sometimes people get like wigged out like I don't have a religion or a dogma, I don't like it. When I say embrace your faith, I believe that faith is the ability to know that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Mm. So even if things don't work out, even if you die, whatever, everything's going to be okay. And that to me is the ultimate faith because you have that faith and that trust in the divine
0: that you're just okay. I love that. That's beautiful. And I think in the last couple of years with the COVID thing, I think we saw a lot of people not embracing their faith. I think, Mm -hmm. and I'm not meaning to judge out there, all the fear is because we don't think it's going to be okay. You know, All the fear that happens for people is because we don't think it's going to be okay, but it is going to be okay. Well, thank you for being with me today, Amethyst, and I'll have all of your links on the podcast page. So um, I just- I think that you're um, a delight. Thank you. (laughs) You're, You're a bright light. And I think you're really in service to a lot of people and being that bridge. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.